We're looking at the Gospel in Jeremiah. We're not going through the whole book, but picking Gospel gems in uh, this uh, awesome portion of Scripture. And we're in the first part of Jeremiah, uh, the first 29 or so chapters. And if you think of Jeremiah as a piece of music... The dominant notes in this first part of the book are minor. It's all about God's judgments primarily and sin. It's discordant music. But in the midst of all of this, you do have some beautiful melodies. And these are what we've been picking out, these gospel jewels. And when we come to chapter 23, we've got two harmonious songs, and they are songs in the right sense of the word to look at. So even before we're coming now to uh, the music of the second part of the book, the New Covenant, we've still got in uh, this first part, which tends to emphasize judgments, we've still got some lovely harmonies and I want us to look at these two songs one this morning and the next God willing uh, the next Sunday I'm preaching so let's look at Jeremiah 23 verses 1 to 4 woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture says the Lord therefore thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people you have scattered my flock driven them away and not attended to them behold I will attend to you for the evil of your doings says the Lord but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall they be lacking says the Lord now you probably noticed that uh, these verses this song of the good shepherd as it is called it doesn't start off uh, on a positive note it starts off with a woe so what we've got here are the first two verses of the song are the blues, the blues. Jeremiah is down. He's proclaiming a woe. And then the second two verses, three and four, are the gospel, the gospel. It's uplifting. Uh, one famous singer-songwriter described his own music as blues in the verses describing the bad state of things. Gospel in the chorus, the positive notes. And that's what we've got here. So let's look first at the blues in verses 1 and 2. And then we'll come to the gospel in verses 3 and 4. Now, Jeremiah is one of the great bluesmen of the Old Testament maybe along with Asaph uh, in the book of Psalms. And we've already come across some of the woes of the prophets, haven't we, before? 
And uh, one commentator says, what you've got here is vintage, Jeremiah. <laughs> this is vintage. Uh, woe. Uh, in chapter 6, we came across the same woe. Woe to the false shepherds. Woe to these religious leaders. The people of God, like humanity, is described as a flock of sheep. That's what we are this morning. We're a flock. And Jeremiah is singing the blues because his heart is affected by the way that the sheep are not being looked after. Woe to the shepherds who destroy. Now, he's referring to the religious leaders of the day. Uh, we haven't got time to go through them, but after good King Josiah, there was a number of kings. They didn't last for long, but they were all wicked. They were all bad kings, right down to the last one, Zedekiah. And it was under Zedekiah that Jeremiah was singing uh, this song. And Jeremiah is just broken because these rulers are not doing what God has called them to do. Now, how were they bad at treating uh, the sheep, the, the people that were interested to their care? Let me just give you a few examples. In the previous chapter, he says, verse 13, Woe unto him that builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice, who uses his neighbor's service without wages and gives him nothing for his work. There's a contemporary note here. These religious leaders were all about building their own little empires. Uh, they were self-interested. They didn't care about other people round about them. They just wanted to build bigger houses like Haggai. Haggai, uh, prophets later on in the Old Testament, he said... Uh, you've got to consider your ways. Uh, you leave the Lord's house in ruins and you're building your own panelled houses. Uh, Panelling is what we've got around uh, the, the building here uh, at uh, the, ground, the ground floor, uh, the wooden panelling. It's very beautiful, isn't it? And it's coming back into fashion today, apparently, wooden panelling. But the people in Haggai's day and probably in Jeremiah's day, they, they were just... Self-interested, the religious rulers. And then there is mention of something else in verse 21 of the previous chapter. They were so well off, they couldn't hear the word of God. They, they had deaf ears. I spoke to you, said God, in your prosperity. But you said, I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth. What a terrible, terrible place to be in, to be so comfortable, to be so much at ease amongst the people of God that you're no longer hearing what God is saying in his word. Isn't that contemporary as well? It's, it's one of those things that have really struck me when I've traveled to countries where there is much more poverty. Moldova, the poorest country in Europe. And what you have there 
is people hearing the Word of God more because they've got less to distract them. And we, we we're so comfortable, aren't we? Even if we're not that rich in comparison to some, we're just so dependent on our own resources. In a sense, we can't help it. And the hardest thing for us to do is to trust in God. There is a verse, I think, in Deuteronomy where God is warning his people about this in the future. The people had just entered the promised land, and so they were still living as pilgrims. Uh, They still lived uh, as strangers. But then God warns them. Let me just read uh, from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, verse 12. God says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and this is what happens and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage what a terrible place to be in as religious leaders but also as a people to speak of God with our lips, maybe to sing about God and about his care of us with our lips, but our hearts being far from him. That was the situation in Jeremiah's day. These people were so religious, but their hearts were somewhere else. As we looked last time, son, daughter, This is what God is saying. Give me your hearts. Do we have hearts, religion? That's what Christianity is about. And then in the chapter that we are reading, woe to the shepherds, verse 1, who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them they're not looking after the people because they're so taken up with themselves and their own interests Uh, this is what one person says they have been fleecing the flock (laughs) with shepherds like this who needs wolves who needs wolves didn't the one that Jeremiah is pointing to, Jesus Christ, didn't he warn of wolves that come to you in sheep's clothing? And it's interesting, Jeremiah has, he says here, woe, he has his woes. You may think that Jeremiah was the one who had most woes in the Bible. It wasn't. There was one person who had more woes to say than even Jeremiah. Do you know who that was? Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Matthew, you've got that chapter where Jesus Christ denounces the shepherds of his day, the religious leaders. And you've got one woe after another, haven't you? Woe, scribes and Pharisees. And this is what Jeremiah is thinking of. 
Jesus Christ, we'll come to him in a minute, the good shepherd, when he came into this world, he looked at the people of his day. And do you know what we're told? He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And his heart went out to them. He could see what the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders, like those of Jeremiah's day, he could see what they had done to the sheep. He could see that they had been putting burdens on the sheep. uh, And the poor sheep were just overwhelmed. He could see that instead of teaching them God's word, they were just bringing their own traditions to bear upon the people, and the people were entangled. They were bound by them. Uh, There is mention in this chapter, in verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Uh, He's looking to the coming of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, Behold, the days are coming, that they shall no longer say. He looks back to God, bringing his people out of Egypt. What was in Egypt? It was bondage. They were all entangled by heavy burdens. And then Jeremiah is looking immediately to the people being taken captive. Some have already been taken to Babylon. They were in bonds in Babylon. And then, my friends, we are in bonds to our sin. That's what is so terrible about our condition. It's not just the religious leaders of Jeremiah and Jesus' day, but it's all mankind in one sense that is described here. We're scattered, aren't we, as humanity? Think of our country today. Think of some of the laws that are being passed. Another prophet said, Isaiah, woe to them who call evil good and good evil. It just causes confusion. It just causes division. It scatters people. We're scattered as a nation at this moment. Don't you feel something? Doesn't it cause you to sing? Not a joyful song, but the doleful blues. No one can sing the blues like a Jeremiah. Like the Lord Jesus. Like you and me. When we realize what sin and the devil have done. Have you sung the blues spiritually? I'm not thinking now about singing out loud, but have you been in the place where you realize, I'm bound, I'm bound? It's not just the people in Jeremiah's day in Babylonish captivity. It wasn't just the Israelites in Moses' day in Egyptian bondage, not just the poor people in Jesus' day bound by religious traditions, bound I'm bound, bound in sin. How did Wesley put it? Wesley was a bluesman as well as a gospel singer. Wesley said, long my imprisoned spirit lay. Have you felt something of that? Have you come here this morning and 
you realize maybe things are going well for me. I am comfortable, and I'm grateful for that. But in another sense, I'm in a bad place because I'm bound. I'm bound. I'm bound by my sin. I'm bound by dead works, dead religious works. Wesley found that to be the case. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's nights. That's the blues. That's the blues. I was reading about uh, some of the slaves in the 19th, beginning of the 20th century, that were singing the blues. You know, these were often Christian people who were living terrible lives. They, they, They were bearing all sorts of burdens, all sorts of hardships. And they would use that language... And apply it spiritually. So this is one I've come across. This is another Jeremiah for you. Oh, by and by, by and by, I'm going to lay down my heavy load. I know hell is deep and dark despair. Do you feel that? I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Hey, poor sinner. And don't go there. Don't go to hell. Don't go to the dark place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't go in the way of sin. You think it's going to set you free, but actually it's the reverse that happens. Don't go there. Oh, Christian, can't you rise and tell I'm going to lay down my heavy load that Jesus hath done all things well. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. So Jeremiah is singing the blues. He's singing it because he feels it himself. Do you feel something of the heavy load of sin? The heavy load of respectable Religious, dead weight sin, the heavy load. That's what makes a person sing the blues. But then what we want to come to this morning is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel song in Jeremiah 23. So here is Jeremiah being God's mouthpiece, denouncing the religious rulers of his day. But then you've got this positive, uplifting harmony. It changes from blues to gospel. And verse 3, this is God speaking now. But I will gather the remnants of my flock. This is wonderful, my friend. This This is the gospel in a nutshell, right? What God is saying through Jeremiah is this. You've messed it up. You religious leaders, you've scattered the flock. You've fleeced the flock. But I'm going to sort it out. That's the gospel. The the gospel is quite simple in one sense. It's God saying, I'm going to do what you can't do. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to do it. Now, a few years ago, I had problems with the plumbing. And... You can go on YouTube these days, can't you? 
and there, there are videos on YouTube that show you how to fix um, a problem with the plumbing. And I, I went on this video and I thought I knew the answer to the problem. But it, well, you know what happens when uh, water goes all over the place. If you ever have to do a plumbing job, make sure you switch off the water supply first. I didn't do that. So I got to a position where I had to admit that I didn't have the answer. And I got in touch with the plumber, right? I got in touch with the plumber. And you know what I attempted to do then? I tried to explain to the plumber what was wrong and how he should fix it. And the plumber said to me, now listen, he said to me, <laughs> you don't do anything. You just wait until I arrive. And let me sort it out. Let me sort it out. Now, that's what God is saying here. Religious leaders, you failed, you failed. People, normal people, you failed, you failed, I failed. But God says, I will sort it out. I will get you out of this mess. Now then, what is God promising here? I will be the shepherd. Isn't that wonderful? I am the good shepherd, said Jesus Christ. The metaphor of shepherd is seen throughout the scripture. It's a motif that's throughout uh, the, uh, the scriptures. And uh, David said, didn't he? The Lord, capital letters, Jehovah, the Lord is my shepherd. And when Jesus Christ came, and in our reading, when he said, and remember the sheep that he said this to, these were sheep that were scattered, these were sheep that were confused, these were sheep that had been hurt, these were sheep that were carrying heavy burdens, these were sheep that were lost and heading for a lost eternity, and Jesus stands before them and he says, I am the good shepherd. And these sheep, being Jewish sheep, would have recognized the Old Testament there. And they would have recognized that Jesus here is claiming to be none other than Jehovah. When you meet a person for the first time, I haven't been to a conference for ages now, but when I will go to a conference, my two questions are, who are you? What's your name? What do you do? Jesus is answering those two questions. Who are you, Jesus? I am. I am. He's not saying, I am so-and-so. I am. That's another name of God. God, Jehovah, means, I am that I am. Jesus said on another occasion, before Abraham was, I am. And the people thought he was mad. How can you say that? You're only 30 odd years. And you say you are before Abraham. And Jesus says, yes, I am. I am the son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. I am God. But Jesus goes further here. And he says, I am that good shepherd, that Messiah, that person that has been promised for centuries. And I am he, come. Jesus is not just God, he's man. 
the God-man. But Jesus answers the question, who are you? In terms of what he came to do. Do you want to know who I am, he says? Do you want to know how I prove that I am the good shepherd, the son of God? I will prove it by what I'm going to do. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now think for a moment about this. The religious leaders in Jeremiah's day, they were supposed to be uh, a symbol of the Messiah. They were supposed to be those who cared for the people. And instead of that, these little dictators, that's all they were. They just lived for themselves. It was all pathetic. And this is the irony. If anybody, if anybody could have stood on his rights, it would have been Jesus Christ. It would have been Jesus Christ. Listen to the verses. Some of you were studying uh, Philippians in the home Bible study classes. Do you remember Philippians 2? This is how Jesus Christ is described. Who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He didn't exalt himself. He could have done that. He had every right to do that. If you're standing on your rights, then Jesus Christ could have done that. But instead, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. One commentator said, Jesus isn't interested in spectacular power plays. Here is how Jesus proves he is the king of the cosmos. He says, I am king because I die for my people. I am Lord because I pour out my life to death. Meekness and majesty, this is our God, the servant king. The servant shepherd. There's a lot of talk about servant leadership today well Jesus got there before you <laughs> the servant the servant he didn't consider his own interests he didn't build his own paneled house he didn't even have a place to lay his head And the most amazing thing, as we sang in the children's hymn, a thing most wonderful, almost too wonderful to be, is that Jesus Christ, who was rich, he was rich. He was even more rich than those religious leaders who were so comfortable. But Jesus Christ was in heaven, in the palace of glory, even though he was rich, for you were, for my sake. He became poor. He became poor. He didn't fleece the sheep to line his own pockets. He left the palace, the riches, and became one of us. Not just for a day, but for a lifetime. And even when he grew up, it wasn't in Jerusalem. It was in the backwater of Galilee. He grew up in poverty. And as we heard, he humbled himself especially unto death, the death of the cross. My friends, that is who Jesus is and what he does. 
you know, uh, so, some people um, think I'm a vicar. I'm, a, I'm not a vicar. I, I don't like the titles anyway. But that's theologically incorrect. I'm not a vicar. Do you know what a vicar is? A vicar is somebody who represents another person. And there's only one vicar in this church. <laughs> and that's Jesus Christ. Because his death on the cross was vicarious. He was representing you and me. Representing you and me. Um, I was talking to somebody at the start of the service this morning, and they said to me, I wasn't meant to be here. I wasn't meant to be here. Well, I said to them, how come you're here then? They said, I got somebody else's place. I got somebody else's place because that person couldn't come. So they exchanged places. My friends, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He exchanged places with us. Wonderful. In my place condemned he stood. That's a good shepherd for you. A good shepherd. Sealed my pardon with his blood. This isn't the blues anymore, is it? Hallelujah. What a saviour. As Roger preached a few weeks ago, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone turning his own way. That's the blues. But the gospel is this. The Lord has laid on him. Praise be to his name. He's laid on him the iniquity of us all. You don't have to dwell in your sin this morning. You don't have to entangle yourself further in it. You don't have to try and unravel yourself from it. God in Christ has done everything that is necessary. Don't get me wrong. We hate the sin we hate the sin that caused his suffering we uh, sing the blues as it were because of the exceeding sinfulness of sin we want to be rid of it but we can't do it we go to jesus christ we go to him and he does it he does it such love <laughs> such love the Religious leaders in Jeremiah's day, they were bad shepherds. They were bad shepherds and they were cruel to good sheep. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd and he loves bad sheep. He loves bad sheep. You and I, we're all bad by nature. We're all bad. Whether we're respectably bad or whether we're out and out bad, we're just bad. <laughs> Our hearts are bad. But Jesus Christ is good. <laughs> And he changed places with us. And on that cross, on that cruel cross, he took all the badness, all the sin, all the hell. And he paid the debts. And there's nothing left to be paid. And he says to you and me this morning, I am that good shepherd. I am. Do you doubt? Do you doubt his love to somebody like you? Can I mention some of the sheep that Jesus loved, that he died for? Jacob. Jacob was the black sheep of the family. In Wales, we have um, Jacob sheep. Do, do you have them in England? Devite Jacob, we call them. The black sheep. And Jacob. Jacob was a horrible person. He was devious. You couldn't trust him. But Jesus Christ loved a Jacob, a Jacob. 
And then the king before good Josiah. Do you know who was the king before Josiah? It was Manasseh. Manasseh, the most evil king in the history of Israel. He was so bad, he even sacrificed his own son in the fire. That's how low a king went. And yet God had mercy on a Manasseh. He saved a Manasseh. And when you come to the New Testament, think of Jesus' death. Think of the disciples. Think of the way that they abandoned him. They were scattered. Think of the chief of the disciples, Simon Peter. Think of what he did as Jesus was arrested. How he denied ever knowing his Lord. How he swore that he never knew him. And think Jesus died for a Simon Peter. He died for such. And then think of the one later on that Jesus was going to choose as the chief apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles. Would we have chosen the man that was actually persecuting the church? I don't think we would. Oh, Jesus Christ took a soul of Tarsus who was breathing threatenings against the Christians, who thought he was glorifying God in persecuting them. And Jesus had mercy on him and he transformed him into the apostle Paul. We wouldn't have chosen him, would we? And you know what proves to me beyond anything else that Jesus can save you? You need never doubt the love of Jesus Christ towards you. Do you know why? Because he's loved me. He's loved me. I'm convinced Paul was wrong when he said, it's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. You're wrong there. You're not the chief of sinners, Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. Don't you feel like that this morning? That I, I am the worst person. I don't, I, 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 I don't have any merits. I, I can't even, I, I, I can't even carry on living. But Jesus says, I've come to die for the chief of sinners. Don't you love Jesus Christ? Don't you love him? This is what Arthur Pink said. It wasn't the nails. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to that cross. Jesus could have come off the cross at any moment. He had the power to do that. It wasn't the nails that held him. It was the strength of his love. It was the strength of his love to you and me. That's what kept him on the cross. Oh, maybe you've sung the blues. Maybe you're still singing the blues. Maybe you're aware of your sin. And you don't want to stay like that. My friend, you don't have to stay singing the blues. You can sing gospel as well. Do you know the new song? Has God put a new song in your heart? It's good to have the organ, isn't it, Brian? But even better is to have the Holy Spirit and the song of redemption in our hearts. Have you, have you sung that? Our hymn book is full of gospel songs. Uh, we're going to sing, I think, shortly. I will sing. Can you sing it? I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me, how he left his home in glory for the cross on Calvary. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. He threw his loving arms around me, brought me to his fold again. You see, Jesus doesn't scatter the sheep. Jesus gathers the sheep. Jesus gathers the sheep. And it's the lifting up of Jesus Christ that gathers the people Anything else divides the people, scatters the people. But if I be lifted up, he says, I will draw all men to myself. There is an electromagnetic power in the love of Christ, isn't there? Well, there's not electro, spiritual magnetic power in the love of Jesus Christ. 
Have you heard him? Have you heard my sheep hear my voice? Have you heard the voice of Jesus? Softly pleading with your hearts. Listen to his invitation, to the music of God's grace. God's grace is music. It's not dissonant. It's harmonious music. I haven't got time, but I just want to recommend my shepherd to you. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? That's the most important thing in life. If you haven't got Jesus Christ as your shepherd, you're lost. You're lost. You're lost for eternity, but you're actually lost in this world. You're lost in this life. But if you've got Jesus Christ as your shepherd, do you know? He knows you. He knows you. He knows you. Um, some have got more hair than others, but he, he knows every, every strand of hair on your head. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He numbers the hairs of our head. Even as we're getting older and we begin to lose hair, he takes notes of a strand of hair that is lost. He is concerned for us. He's looking out for us. He is praying for us. Even when we forget to pray, he is always there in heaven, remembering us before his Father. He comforts us when other comforters flee. Oh, he is there abiding with us. He guides us through this maze of a world and he protects us. He speaks up for us. He, when we're too weak to go in our own strength, he carries us upon his shoulders. Isn't that a wonderful experience? When we are too weak to pray, when we're too weak to read our Bibles, when we're too weak to come to church, when we're too weak even to think, we have a good shepherd who bears us and keeps us in those moments. We're having a new church directory, hopefully soon, and, you know, our names are in the church directory. What a privilege to be a member of Heath Church. But we have to keep updating the church directory because our addresses change, our details change. People die. But, my friend, there's a directory in heaven this morning the Lamb's Book of Life, and once your name is written in that directory, it's written in indelible ink. It will never be erased. That directory needs never be changed. Hallelujah. What? What a good shepherd. Aren't you happy sheep this morning to belong to such a shepherd? Aren't you? I don't know what a happy flock looks like, uh, but what a glory. What a glory. Uh, we're going to sing in a minute. I was bruised. I was bruised. Haven't you known what it is to be bruised? But Jesus healed me. This is something to sing about, isn't it? Faint was I from many a fall. Sight was gone and fears possessed me. But he, he fixed me from them all. Days of darkness still come o'er me. Sorrow's paths I often tread. But the Savior still is with me. By his hand, I'm safely led. He will keep me. This is personal. Is it personal to you? The Lord is my shepherd. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. So that's death. Then he'll bear me safely over where the loved ones I will meet. We'll meet again. We'll meet those that have already gone ahead of us. And do you know what? We won't be interested in them. 
because we'll be taken up with singing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. And then we'll be singing it. And we won't need an organ. We'll be singing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal See, We won't be wearing masks. We won't be self-isolating. We won't be hindered by sin. We won't uh, have aches or pains. We will be there forever and ever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, there we go. Are you in the fold this morning? Are you in the fold? You're in church, but that's not the same. Are you in Christ? Have you realized your lostness? Have you sung the blues, as it were? And then, have you seen God has done what we couldn't do in Christ? And he invites us to turn away from our sin and to come and take Jesus Christ as our good shepherd. Once you do that, you've got a new song in your heart, my friend. You've got a gospel song. And it's something worth singing about. And we're going to sing about that now. I've already quoted all of this hymn. Uh, forgive me for doing that. But Brian is rearing to go. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Let's stand to sing. And um, it's number... What number is it for those who are at home? 670 if you're at home.
Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenants, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.